also thank you for your partnership with us in the gospel over these many years and for praying for us and supporting us. Uh, we appreciate it very much. This morning, I'd like to ask you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 4, and I'll begin reading at verse 23. Uh, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for giving us your word, and now thank you for pouring out the Holy Spirit, and we pray that he will be with us to illumine our hearts and minds, to move us out of ourselves, to see the glory of Jesus, and to us thus... Um, Accomplish the mission to which you called us. I pray that you'll protect us from the evil one and that you will move us onto the mission that you've given us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The context here is that the Holy Spirit has been poured out. Uh, John and Peter healed a crippled man, a lame man, in chapter 3. They were brought before the council for doing it, the council, the leaders of the Jews were angry at them for having done it in Jesus' name. Uh, they threatened them and said, don't talk in Jesus' name anymore. And these are, these are not only religious leaders, these are political leaders of the Jews, under the Romans, but still leaders. And uh, Peter and John answered, they answered boldly, says Scripture, and they said, we have to say what God tells us to say. Jesus was raised from the dead, the one that you put to death. Jesus raised him from the dead. Very bold of them to do that. And so that's the, con that's the context of this passage. Let's uh, take it up then in Acts 4, verse 23. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there was gathered there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed. Through the name of your holy servant, servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. This is God's word. This morning, what I want to talk about is the power of kingdom boldness. As I've gone around to and visited many churches, mostly PCA churches, but other churches as well, and as I've had opportunity to participate in prayer meetings, church prayer meetings, I've noticed a pattern, which may or may not be true in your case. I don't know. I've never been to a prayer meeting here. 
But the pattern I've seen is that the focus is, in, is on our needs. Lord, we're needy, and we are needy. And it's legitimate to pray for our needs, for the sick, for those who are out of work. It's certainly legitimate to pray for those things. But rarely, if ever, have I heard anyone pray for boldness to speak God's word. In fact, some people might say, well, that's for preachers, that they do that. No, but God has called all of us, all believers are called to speak God's word boldly. And so I want to say to you this morning, ask the Lord for kingdom boldness. Ask Him and see what happens. And I want to give four reasons why you should ask for kingdom boldness based on this text. Ask for kingdom boldness in the first place because God has made you His kingdom agent on a mission. God has given you a significant role in the coming of His kingdom. And in this passage, it's focused as speaking, and not just speaking, but living, because we see in the passage they're not just talking, they're actually doing things. Speaking and living the word boldly. That's the mission that we've been given as His kingdom agents, to speak the word boldly. And here is one of the great differences between God and the evil one. The evil one wants to use you. He wants to abuse you. Peter puts it this way. He's a lion who wants to eat you up. Uh, C.S. Lewis says he, he wants to eat you to increase the area of his selfhood at your expense. But God and King Jesus want to give you and have given you a significant role to play. They want you to be like Him, to have something important to do. You, have, you who believe in Jesus have been made His kingdom agents with a mission to accomplish, to speak and live His word with boldness. Uh, we see in the passage, 4.13, the leaders were astonished when they saw the boldness of Peter and John in their answer to them, especially since they were known as uneducated and common men. But they noted that they had been with Jesus. 4.29, the believers gather together, say, Grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Notice that they're not asking for protection. Now, it wouldn't be wrong to ask for protection. That's a legitimate prayer. But in this case, they're not asking for protection from the leaders. I think in this case, to them, they have so clear that God is working on their behalf that their focus is on... We want to be effective kingdom agents. Grant grace that we may speak your word and live your word boldly. That was their prayer. When we speak and live God's word with boldness, he uses our efforts. They may seem simple to us. They may seem like they're not any big deal. But when we speak and live his word with boldness, he uses our efforts to advance his kingdom. And you notice in the passage, in the whole book of Acts, um, the believers did this boldly, and the church grew, and 5,000 were added, and thousands were added, and the church grew. You see what happens when God's people fulfill their God-given mission as kingdom agents. I've noticed something in many Reformed churches. It's a malady, and I call it sovereignitis. Sovereignitis is the overemphasis on God's sovereignty, which is certainly true. God is sovereign. But so emphasizing it 
that we minimize our role as kingdom agents and our responsibility as kingdom agents. So if God wants somebody to be saved, he'll have them come knock on my door. Um, just an over, overemphasis on God's sovereignty. And what, am I, what can I do about all this that's happening in the world today? No, I'll just sit back, read the word, pray, but what can I do? The Bible says you can do a lot. Speak and live his word with boldness. There's a sense in which your task as a kingdom agent is to live out of a Christian worldview. To speak and live out of a Christian worldview. In other words, there's a Christian way of thinking about everything because this is God's world. world. Uh, um, there was a book written by uh, Blameyers many years ago that said, there's a Christian ethic, but there's no Christian mind. We don't know how to think Christianly. We don't know how to apply Christianity to physics, to other sciences, to shopping, to how I spend my time. There's no Christian worldview, and so our task, our mission as kingdom agents is to live out of and speak a Christian worldview. Because God uses your bold speaking and living. Usually it's not sensational things that we do, but he uses them to advance his kingdom. How about this? Recognizing and celebrating the gifts of others. It's something I haven't seen done a whole lot. I hope you do it. Has anyone ever come up to you and said, you know what, I think you have this gift. And I really appreciate it. And I've seen you use it in this way and that way. That would be so encouraging. Now, we don't live for that encouragement. We don't depend on that. We depend on the love of God for us. But it is nice to be appreciated, and it's encouraging. When was the last time you walked up to someone and said, without thinking, well, what do they think of me if I say this? You know, it might be awkward. Well, just tell them, you know what, I've seen you have this gift. And I recognize it, and I thank you for it. Another way that we can exercise our role as kingdom agents is in small groups, speaking to each other about who God is and then the implications for actions in our lives and in our culture, or habits that need to change, maybe habits of uh, buying things that we don't really need, maybe habits of hoarding money instead of giving it to those who need it. Here's another way that we can exercise our role as kingdom agents. And this is for those who are married. I urge you, those who are couples, to pray together and read God's word together every day. Phyllis and I have made a habit of this. We've rarely missed, and it's made all the difference in our lives. And what we do, and you don't have to do it this way, but it's, an, it's just to give an example of how to be kingdom agents. We, um, and we don't take a lot of time for it, but we do it every day. We read, we read through Scripture usually. We, as we read a passage, we talk about it together. Um, in Latin America, it's interesting. The men think that when they have devotions with their wives, they're supposed to preach to them. Well, don't do that. I would say, you know, talk about it together. What insights does the Holy Spirit give you? And what insights do I have? And let's talk about it. And let's not just talk about it theoretically, but let's talk about what are our problems that we face and our challenges that we face right now? And how can we apply that word to those problems and challenges? And then pray together. I challenge you to try that. 
It will make a big difference if you're not already doing it. But that is one way that you can exercise your function as a kingdom agent. Another way would be hospitality, inviting people over to your house, just because to show them the love of Christ. So the first reason that we should ask the Lord for kingdom boldness is because he has made us kingdom agents with a job to do and a mission to accomplish, speaking his word to those around us, to our culture. The second reason is, the second reason we should ask the Lord for kingdom boldness is because the evil one in the world see you as the enemy. You are considered an enemy. And Jesus said to his disciples, if they hated me, they'll hate you, right? So this is not a surprise. In this passage, we see that the authorities lied about Jesus. They were covering up his uh, resurrection. They didn't want it to be spreading, and so they were telling lies. They threatened Peter and John, and they had power. Um, they could have done something, but in this case, the Lord prevented them. Uh, this... Um, the evil of these people trying to thwart you on your mission, because that's what, that's what it's about. If, if the evil one can thwart you on your mission as a kingdom agent, he's made progress against the kingdom. There's a background in this, and you, know, you notice that they quote part of Psalm 2. Psalm 2, why do the, he, the nations rage? And um, the Lord laughs from heaven as he looks down at their raging because he set his son on his king on Mount Zion. In the context, the passage is about David as he was to be made king. He was persecuted by Saul, and then once he was king, the Philistines and all the nations around were trying to, uh, get, to bring him down. Um, there's evil there. And so they quote that. Uh, in their prayer, and they apply it to their times. The same thing is happening now. They're persecuting us. They're trying to keep us from being effective kingdom agents. They threaten Peter and John, but Peter and John said, we will do what God asks us to do, no matter what. Therefore, you, as a kingdom agent, are considered to be an enemy of the evil one. You have enemies who hate you. They hate you because they hate Jesus. And they're out to stop you from being an effective kingdom agent. By making you worry. By making you fret. By making you proud. Whatever it takes, stop them from being effective kingdom agents. You may know about Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who uh, was a Russian dissident. Um, he was eight years in a labor camp and became a Christian, a true Christian, during that time, toward the end. Um, just before he was exiled by Russia to the United States, he wrote a short essay called Live Not By Lies. I don't know if anyone has read it, but the point is, live by the truth. Don't let anyone pressure you into living by lies. You may have heard of Alison Felix. Alison Felix is currently the most decorated track and field athlete in the history of the Olympics. 
she, um, a couple years ago, she was sponsored by a company, I won't mention the company, so that she could practice and she could run and do her thing. And she wanted to have a baby uh, with her husband. And, and she's a Christian. She openly says, I run for the glory of God. That's why I do it. And they put economic pressure on her to not have a baby or, once it was conceived, to have an abortion. And she uh, resisted and said, I don't care what they do to me. I'm not going to do this. Uh, she refused that pressure. She resisted it. She said, I've always known that expressing myself could hurt my career. I don't like to let people down. So she's not the kind of person that likes to cause conflict. But you can't change anything with silence, she says. These last years, I have seen the evil one raging more than I have ever seen him in my lifetime. And that's been a while. I'm I'm, I have been surprised at how quickly things have changed. The evil one is raging. In so many ways, let me just give one example. Critical race theory is an attempt to reframe some biblical themes, particularly the biblical theme of justice, but it's an attempt to reframe it within a non-Christian worldview. And thereby, it, on the one hand, it may be attractive to certain people and even certain Christians because they are talking about a biblical theme, but they're reframing it in a way that it changes the whole worldview. It's no longer a Christian worldview. And this is an attempt to undermine Christianity. Make no mistake, what is happening to us in the last couple of years is the evil one raging, trying to stop you from being an effective kingdom agent through fear, through worry, through whatever. Trying to undermine all the influences of Christianity in our culture. So, we need to identify the lies that are being normalized by those who oppose God and consider you to be enemies. Lies like abortion is normal and it's a woman's right, or there are many genders, or if you disagree with uh, someone's sinful lifestyle, you're automatically a hater, or the federal government should take the place of God in taking care of you. We'll take care of you. Trust us. We need to pray for boldness to speak and live the truth in spite of the fact that for the world, the church is the enemy and the evil one is out to get us. So we need to pray and ask the Lord for boldness, for kingdom boldness. Those are two reasons. God has made us kingdom agents. We're considered, as kingdom agents, we're considered enemies of the evil one in the world. The third reason in this text that we should ask the Lord for kingdom boldness is because God is at work in all things for the extension of his kingdom. You'll notice here in this passage they quote again Psalm 2 and then they apply it and say to their situation and say these evil people put Jesus to death and thereby did what you had planned. It seems like strange logic, right? God, on the one hand, God has his plan. And he used the evil of evil people 
who with evil intent put Jesus to death. God is not responsible for the evil. The Father is not responsible for the evil that, with which they put him to death on the cross. And yet, as it turns out, this was God's plan to save us. Jesus, there on the cross, suffered the wrath of God against all God's people and raised him from the dead. So we see the, the people, the believers here gathered together are praying. They're re recalling Psalm 2. They're recalling God's laughter at the attempts of evil people to escape his control and his plan. And they say, and it happened again. They, tried, they put him to death. They were doing evil, but you used it for good. You raised him from the dead and have poured out the Holy Spirit. And now we see all these people coming into the kingdom. You who did that, now consider their threats now. They're threatening us again. It's the same thing over. They're threatening us. Lord, consider their threats. God is at work in all things for the extension of his kingdom. The passage says they called him Sovereign Lord. He is the sovereign. He does control all things, everything that comes to pass. He's not worried about things that are happening. In fact, in one way or another, he is behind them. Now, in the case of Jesus' death, it was evil people who did it, but it turned out to be part of God's plan to save us, his people. And so, everything that's happening now, God permits the evil one to rage for some reason. I hope for the awakening of his church. So that we will get back on track and be effective kingdom agents. In any case, the Lord often allows us to go through difficult times. He allows the evil one to rage, and he laughs, knowing that in his sovereign plan, he cannot win. When the disciples realized that Jesus had actually been put to death, they were very disappointed. They all ran. They were afraid, filled with fear, and Peter Figured this is the end. I'm going fishing, he says. Going back to fishing. What's left for me? And yet when he realized that God had raised Jesus from the dead for his salvation and for the salvation of, of the world, it changed everything. And even now, Jesus the King is stretching out his hand to do wonders. Does he do miracles like he did back then? Well, I think things are different. We don't have apostles that can, at command, heal people. But God still is at work doing wonders and signs and bringing about the advance of his kingdom. And so, we should ask for boldness knowing that God is sovereign. He's in control. That should give us courage. You might think, well, what can I do? What can I do? All I can do, okay, you say that as a kingdom agent, I said, speak the word of God boldly. Well, what's that going to do? That's not going to do anything. God says it does because he is sovereign and he uses it in his plan to bring about his kingdom purposes. It's Jesus who brings the kingdom. We don't bring it, but he does use our kingdom agency. He does use our actions when we speak the truth boldly. We're not the main character of the Bible, Jesus is. We're the bride who needs rescuing. But we do have a role. 
But our role is not taking things into our own hands. It's not confronting evil in our own strength. Get involved in politics. Sure, as a Christian we should, but a political solution is not the solution. It's God's solution. It's the church being effective kingdom agents, trusting His sovereignty. In Jesus' day, before He showed up, there were zealots. Zealots were looking for a political solution to the problem of the Romans. And the assumption was that when the Messiah comes, He'll join the zealots, will militarily overthrow the Romans, and then Israel will be the head and not the tail anymore. They were wrong. Even Peter, towards the end, as Jesus was confronted with the soldiers, Peter pulls out his sword, cuts off the ear of the servant. Okay, we're going to war now. This is it. The Lord uses us as kingdom agents as we speak and act the word boldly in our lives, in our situations, in the places where he's put us. Because Jesus is the sovereign king, the human king of the world, there's no need to fear. There's no need to worry. In the midst of the pandemic and everything related to it, he's not wringing his hands. He's in control. He's advancing his kingdom just as when Christ died. It looked terrible, but it was part of his plan. Because he is at work, we know that our efforts as kingdom agents are not in vain. Our efforts may seem small, but the Lord says, do them, because I use them. So, maybe we need to identify and turn away from the fears that keep us from speaking and living boldly. Things like, what will people think if I do this? Will I lose prestige or money or a job if I do that? Remember, God is sovereign and He's at work for the good of his people and the extension of his kingdom. And now we come to the fourth reason why we should ask the Lord for kingdom boldness. First of all, because he's made us kingdom agents with a job to do. Secondly, because as kingdom agents, we are considered enemies of the evil one in the world. And thirdly, because God is sovereign and he's using your kingdom efforts to advance his kingdom. Don't be afraid. Don't worry. He's moving things toward the advance of his kingdom. And the fourth reason is because God will give you power to be bold. In the passage, we read that they prayed, Lord, you see their threats. Give us boldness to speak your word. May we speak your word with boldness. And what happened? The Holy Spirit who had been poured out now comes on them. The place where they are is shaken. They're all filled with the Spirit And they speak the word boldly. The Holy Spirit has been poured out. This is an eschatological gift given, sent by the Father and the Son on the basis of Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension. What we have in having the Spirit is better than what Abraham had when he could invite God over for dinner. Remember, Abraham said, hey, I'm going to have dinner. Want some dinner with us? How would you like to invite God over for dinner? And he says, sure, I'd love to come over for dinner. Abraham did that, and God was present with him. But what we have in having the Spirit is better than that. 
What we have in having the Spirit is what, better than what the Israelites had when the pillar of fire at night walked beside them, went beside them, and the cloud by day, and the Shekinah glory cloud in the tabernacle. God was with them in a very palpable way. And all the nations around were trembling with fear because they heard that God was with them in the pillar of fire and the cloud and the Shekinah glory. But what we have in having the Spirit is better than that. Sometimes I wish I had a little pillar of fire walking beside me everywhere I went. And everybody would be afraid and do what I wanted them to do. But what we have in having the Spirit is better than what the people the Israelites had in the time of Moses. Better than what David had in the time of the temple. Better than what the disciples had when they could walk and talk with Jesus. How would you like to do that? Be able to walk and talk with Jesus, ask Him any question you wanted, just dialogue with Him face-to-face physically. That's what the disciples could do. But what we have now in having the Spirit is better because Jesus told the disciples, it's good for you that I go away because then I'll send the Comforter. It's good for you that I go away. What we have in having the Spirit is better. What we have in having the Spirit is better even than what Adam had before the fall because then God had walked and talked with him, but now he lives in us and among us. The most powerful force in the universe, the Holy Spirit has been poured out And lives among his people. And where two or three are gathered together in his name, there he is in the midst of them. We are God's kingdom agents. Empowered by his spirit. Backed up by God's sovereignty. Let's get to work. And speak boldly God's word. It doesn't have to be anything great from the world's point of view. A simple, simple acts of kindness, words fitly spoken, designed to be a blessing to other people. When I, was, when I first went to Chile, before I was married, I was involved in a camp for handicapped children. And uh, some of them were Christians. Miguel was a Christian. Miguel uh, sat in uh, a wheelchair all the time. He couldn't talk. Uh, he, his counselor had to feed him, and it, wasn't a, it was kind of a messy process. Uh, people, the other campers who were also handicapped, laughed at him as they saw, you know, food coming out of his mouth. And, but Miguel was uh, a believer, and on the last day of the camp, he asked his counselor to roll. Well, he didn't ask. He, he had a little piece of paper with the alphabet on it, and he would very, with shaky hand, point letter by letter to, to communicate what he wanted to say. So he told, asked his counselor to wheel him forward because he wanted to tell the other campers what Jesus meant to him. And <clears throat> so, so he did. And they went up and the counselor said, Miguel wants to share with you what Christ means to him. And there was a little laughter because what's he going to say? He can't even talk. Um <clears throat> And so then Miguel began to sing, not with words, but with kind of noises. And it wasn't even on tune, but the counselor sang with him, so everybody knew what he was singing. He sang, How Great Thou Art. And I'll tell you what, those laughters turned to tears as people saw a simple act of kindness. He, he was someone that they were ridiculing. 
And yet, he, and he knew that would happen. And yet, he went forward boldly, I would say, and shared his testimony of what Christ meant for him. And it made all the difference. And such a difference that I'm telling you about it today. <laughs> So, don't think you have to do anything that's great according to the world. You're called to be a kingdom agent, to speak and live boldly the word of God. Every time we worry, what we're saying in effect is, thank you for saying the Spirit, but it's not enough. I need good circumstances. Then I can be an effective kingdom agent. Every time we're filled with pride, what we're saying in effect is, thank you for the Spirit, but it's not enough. I need recognition. Then I'll be able to serve as a kingdom agent. Every time we're filled with self-pity, what we're saying in effect is, yes, thank you for the Spirit, but it's not enough. I need people to treat me well, and then I'll be able to serve as an effective kingdom agent. Every time we're filled with anger, what we're saying in effect is, thank you for the Spirit, but it's not enough. If you want me to be a bold kingdom agent, I need, to get that, get, I need you to get that person to say he's sorry. Then I'll be able to serve. Brothers and sisters in Christ, God's message to you this morning is ask not only for protection, not only for blessings, but ask also for boldness. To be a bold kingdom agent, to speak and live his word with boldness. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your sovereignty. Thank you for giving us a job to do. And I pray that you, by your spirit, will descend upon us, that you will renew our commitment to be effective kingdom agents, in spite of temptations to fear, in spite of temptations to give up, in spite of temptations to think, well, I'm just so little and insignificant, what can I do? You, by your Spirit and your Word, move in us in such a way that we are moved out of ourselves and our selfishness to do the mission to which you've called us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. We'll be singing together the hymn that's in the insert in your bulletins from Psalm 2. <laughs>